Good morning, good morning. Listen, we are in week four of a series that we've been doing here called Let's Talk About Money. Um, this has actually been a conversation, I would say, that we've been having um, with, with all of you. Um, because I'm just going to be honest, God's word has a lot to say about this. Um, it's very difficult not to, to talk about it because his word keeps speaking about these things so much. Um, in week one, Pastor Ethan talked about money matters, and then he talked about money myths. And last week, I talked about money mistakes. And this week, we're going to jump right in. I want to talk about money mindset. Money mindset. Now, in last week's message, one of the mistakes that I called out was get rich schemes and the temptation to acquire riches very hastily. One of the examples that I brought up was the fact that 70% of all lottery winners go broke within five years. 70% go broke. I know oftentimes, I've said it, and many of you have said it as well, like if I just had this, if I just had this amount of money, my life would be better. Things would be so much easier. And if all we needed was just money, then what is going on in the minds of people that once they get it, they end up losing all of it? See, the, the thought here is that with money, everything will be fine and everything will work out. But obviously, there's something more robust that needs to be talked about. There's something going on in, in the minds of those who acquired this but still don't have any that's going on. And in this case, I want to know what's going on in the mind of those of us who consider ourselves to be godly people. And I want to ask that same question today. What, what is in your mindset when it comes to money? Does money define you? Do you control money or does money control you? How much money is enough money? Is my generosity always based on how much money that I have? Where is my mind as it pertains to money? Now, I want to start off, you know me, I got to start off with a visual. I got to give you a visual of where I want to go, all right? Now, do we got any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Okay, we got a few. I know it's like one person's like, yes, finally the pastor is going to use a Lord of the Rings analogy. I've been waiting for that one, all right? Some of y'all that ain't, y'all, some of y'all say, I ain't got time for Lord of the Rings. It's, it's, those movies are very long. I understand. If you didn't see it, you get, I'm about to spoil something for you, so I'm sorry, all right? Listen, there, there, there's a character um, in this series that must bear this powerful ring, and his name is Frodo, okay? It's Frodo. Now, he was chosen because he had a pure, good heart. His, his mind was, was very sim- simplistic. He was from this group called the Hobbits. They were known to be pretty good people, okay? And he's a very content little fellow, all right? And here's the thing. This ring that he's bearing, um, it normally brings out the worst in his users, okay? Sometimes it, it, it can give you powers because you can put this ring on and, and you can turn invisible. Cool power, right? But it also can do some very evil things where it controls the minds of the people that it wants to influence. So let me give you this picture of Frodo. Look at, look at this picture of Frodo right here. All right. This is Frodo looking at this ring. Now, when you see Frodo looking at this ring, I actually believe this is a picture of our mindset and how our mindset should be with money. Because Frodo is looking at this ring, but, but notice, notice that there's an awe that's here. 
But it's also like this concern that this is something that I don't need to be playing with. You know, I, I, I realize I'm bearing this ring for a short period of time. You know, and, 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 and here's the thing. It's like, I, I got this thing, but I know I need to be very careful with it. Um, it's very powerful, but I know that if I, if I do what I'm supposed to do, it's going to end up being a blessing to everybody around here. All right. Now, and then here's the thing that's interesting. There was this temptation on the inside for him to bear this ring alone. And at one point, he actually goes off from all his friends as he's trying to bear this ring by himself, this burden of this thing by himself. And he actually gets into some serious trouble. And if it wasn't for my boy, Sam Wise the Great. And y'all like, who is Sam Wise the Great? Anybody ever seen Rudy, the movie Rudy? I'm going back on you. If you've seen Rudy, that's who Sam Wise was. And I'll take you back even further. Anybody ever seen The Goonies? Yeah. yeah. Mikey and The Goonies, believe it or not, that's Rudy and also Sam Wise the Great. All right? If it wasn't for his boy, Rudy, Mikey, Sam Wise the Great, and that was coming around him, he wouldn't have been able to bear this ring by himself. And I want you to know that you're not going to be able to bear this burden of finances and, and money. You need some godly people around you, but most importantly, you need God's word to guide you and teach you how to use this. Now, in contrast to Frodo, there's a character that bore the ring before he did. His name was Smeagol. Now, he allowed the power of the ring to bring out the absolute worst in him. In fact, he, he murdered someone and um, he also he also let this ring begin to, to speak to him in ways that it actually caused him to become double-minded. 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 He was once a regular being, but he quickly became this monster and, and this double-mindedness happened. So he was, he was Smeagol before, but over time he became something called Gollum. So uh, t- let, me, let me give you an image of who he was in this, all right? That's how it started. And if you look down at the bottom, that's how it was going. Um, if you've never seen this movie before, this was a creepy looking dude. You were like, oh my God, how did he get to that place? Look at what happened when what he was bearing took over him instead of him being able to take over what had him. This ring, if it represented money, we want our mindset to be more like Frodo. Bearing a ring for its appointed time not like Gollum, whose mind was consumed and defined by this ring. He even got to the point, everybody knows, my precious. That's what he kept calling it, my, my precious. It became the ultimate thing in his life. And here's the thing. If you saw the movie, it actually is the thing that consumed him in the very end. It's what took him out. So let's talk about this thing called mindset because, again, the, the, the ring, if it represents finance in this case, or it represents money in this case, it's not that that itself is the ultimate bad thing. It's our mind around it. So what's mindset? This is what mindset is. Mindset is the mental state that you create. It's the mental state that you create. So when we say mindset, what is the mental state that you've created around money? And here's an even better question. Does that mindset that you created around money, does that align with God's word? Does that align with his word? And for the record, let me say this. Your mindset is not your brain, okay? It's not your brain. Your brain is just a vessel. Your mind is where you develop your perspectives. Your mind is where you develop your worldview. Your your mind is how you navigate situations. It's your mental and moral state of being when when we see this word mind here. 
Now, let, me, let, me take you, let me take you back because I, I want you to hear what Jesus has to say about this. Because in, in, Jesus actually quotes Deuteronomy 22 in Matthew 22. Okay, And this is what he says. Verse 34 says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, so Jesus is dealing with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he silenced one group, so they all gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your what? your mind. In other words, the greatest commandment is that you love God with your entire being. You love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. And here's the thing. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew people, they didn't separate heart, soul, and mind. They all meant one thing. That meant your entire being, the essence of everything that you are, your time, your talent, your treasure, everything. You love God with everything that you have. In fact, if you call yourself a Christian, that means you surrendered all those things to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, you can have everything. You're my Lord right now. I I love you that much that you can have whatever you want. And this is what has been commanded of us to be mindful and us for to be intentional with our minds. In fact, this is the way that you love the Lord. So you say, if you say, I love him, people say, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. Do you love him with your heart, your soul, in your mind. The Bible actually has much to say about the mind. I'm, I'm going to throw a few things out there so you can see where we're going and why we even entitled this what we did. In Philippians 4, 7, it says we're told to guard our minds with the peace of God. In Romans 1, we're told that our minds actually can be darkened when we're not grateful and, we're, and we, don't, um, we worship things that are created instead of the creator. Uh, in Romans 12, 1 through 2, we're told that one of the things that you're going to have to do, you're going to have to renew yeah. your mind. We're told in Colossians 3, 2, that we should set our mind on things above. We're told in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus warns Peter. He says, take your mind off the things of man and put your mind on the things of God. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we're told to be sober-minded and to be watchful. In Philippians 2.5, we're told that we should have the same humble mindset of Christ. In Romans 8.5-7, we're told that we can have a mindset of the flesh or we can have a mindset of the spirit. And then I, what I love is 1 Corinthians 2.16 where it says, you have the mind of Christ. That's a desire That is something that we can have. We can have the the mind of Christ. Now, I'm going to take you back, 1973. Um, One of my mom's favorite bands that was out was called the OJs. Anybody know about the OJs? Y'all know about them OJs, man. Some of y'all, some of of us 90s kids know about Levert, uh, which was one of the Eddie Levert's son who who was in that group called Levert. But they did a song that they actually based out of scripture that was one of the most popular songs that came out in 1973. And I mean, y'all know, y'all know that, you remember that? That's how it started. Money, 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 money. Y'all know that song. Money. All right. My, my falsetto ain't all that good, all right? That, 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 that's where that is. But it's interesting that in this song, li- li- listen to the lyrics and how they, even, in, even when they were writing then, 
Listen to what they said. They said, I know money is the root of all evil. Do funny things to some people. Give me a nickel. Brother, can you spare a dime? Money can drive people out of their minds. This is what they were singing in the song. They're like, don't let, don't let, don't let money fool you. That's what they say right here, right? Money can fool people sometimes. People, don't let money change you. It will keep on changing, changing up your mind. And this is them just looking at what they saw money doing to people in society. So what I want to do is I want to give you three things today because a lot of times, you know, what we want to do as pastors, as teachers here at this church, we want to make sure that your worldview and the things that you see, sometimes have you actually put those things up against the word of God and developed it from there. Because here's the thing. All of us are guilty. All of us are guilty. When it comes to certain things that we think through, we have developed our own way of thinking based on our circumstances, based on our past, based on all these things. And we need to sometimes stop, not sometimes, all the time stop and say, does this align with God's word? Amen. So here's the first one. Money does not define me. Money does not define me. This is tough. <laughs> I heard this stand-up comedian um, say he did something mature. He said he did something very older. He said he did something that he thought he would never, ever do. He said he bought some jeans from Costco. He said, it's a sign that you don't care anymore. And that you let go of your ego and you're beginning your spiritual journey for real. This is what he said. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have nice stuff or even stylish stuff. But be careful that that stuff does not stuff your mindset, doesn't stuff your identity, that it doesn't puff you up or make you feel significant. Make sure you're not defined by your bank account. Instead, you should be defined by your faith account. Your personality shouldn't be defined by your purchase instead of your purpose. You shouldn't put your hope in the size of your house, you put your hope in who Jesus is. See, here's the thing. It's very easy. And we're going to talk about this for money to define you, whether you have a lot or if you have a little. And here's the thing that we have to understand as believers. Money does not define me. Jesus does. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone... What, no, the, the, Therefore, if a rich person, does it say that? No. Therefore, if a poor person, no. Therefore, if a male, no. Therefore, if a female, no. For somebody that has generational wealth, no. For someone that is born into generational poverty, no. If anyone is in who? Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, listen. There's a mindset that we must adopt as Christians. Jesus defines us because he is our creator. And what I love about this word, when it says new here, this word kainos, new, this means that this is something that has never been seen before. We don't really have much new things in our society, right? Most of the stuff we have are just innovations. It's something that we've, that, that's been built on. It's something that when we call something new, there's a new phone that came out. It's really not a new phone. It's just an innovation on an old phone. 
Um, a lot of the stuff that, that we're doing. But Jesus right here is like, this is new. And the only person that can create is Jesus because he is the creator. I don't know how serious we take that. But if you've been made a new creation, that means you got some new things. You got a new mind. You got a new heart. You got a new soul. There's some things that are new and you have to work those things out with fear and trembling. See, Jesus defines us because he's our creator. He always was, he, he is, and always will be. Our identity is in Christ, our creator, not in the things created. But make no mistake, if you're an impoverished person or if you're a person that finds yourself lacking quite a bit, you can allow the amount of money that you do not possess to become a hindrance in you seeing Jesus and you seeing yourself as his precious creation. See, we're, we're tempted to look at our situation. I, I know what it's like to be, to be without. And it's hard sometimes when you're in that situation. It's a temptation to look at my situation and say that God is not a provider and that God really cannot be trusted. And I want to say to you today, and I want to plead with you today, take your eyes off your situation and place your hope and trust in Jesus. He's known to take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He loves to take the weakest things of this world and show the most strength in them. See, you might be low on funds, but let me tell you something. You can be high on faith. On the other hand, wealthy people, or let me say, people that just don't lack. You've never been at a place where you, you're good. You, you've never been at a place of lack. See, sometimes wealthy people can allow the amount of money that they do possess to define them. Unlike their poor counterparts, they look at their possessions as a means of provision. As long as I have this stuff, I'm good. I'm the stuff. And I want to plead with you today, take your eyes off your situation too and place your hope and trust in Jesus. Because a very wise, godly, rich man said in the King James Version, he said this, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. There was a man that had a beautiful family who was living godly, who had it all together, and he lost all his children, he lost his business, he lost everything. And he still got down on his knees and he worshiped God because his children didn't define him, his possessions didn't define him, none of those things defined him. His name was Job, and he still worshiped God, even though he didn't have all the answers. Even though he was still frustrated, even though he had a, he still worshiped the Lord. If the Lord takes it away, will you still worship him? Listen to what 1 Timothy 6 says to brothers like Job and brothers like many of us who are, who are, are doing fine and are, and are not lacking. He says this, as for the rich in this present age, again, there's nothing wrong. I want to say there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's godly, rich people, you know, in our church, praise God that he's provided for you, that he's done those things, you know, for you, done those things for me. But he says, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Job would say amen to this. He would say preach, okay? But on God, who richly provides, see, listen, this is talking about the character of God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation 
in the future. Again, that people misinterpret it. It's not that God is trying to take treasure away. He's trying to make sure you're placing the treasure in the right place for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, our minds should be on our hope in God's character, who he is. And, and we should reflect that kindness by doing good works and sharing our resources. Amen? So this is our mindset. Money doesn't define me. Jesus is the one that defines me. God's character is what defines me no matter what situation I'm in. Here's the second one. Money does not impact my generosity. Money does not impact my generosity. Now, some of y'all are like, Pastor Chris, what are you talking about? Yes, it is. Yes, it does. It does impact my generosity. And generosity is not based on the amount of money that you give. I, all right. I, I was in the barbershop, and it, listen, if you want to get the best worldviews and the best mindsets on any area, sports, theology, cars, whatever, I mean, you name it, go to the barbershop, they're going to break it down for you, all right? I love when we're talking about giving one day in the barbershop and this brother said, oh, you know what I do? He said, I take all my money, I throw it up in the air, and whatever the Lord want, he getting everything laying on the ground, that's mine. Right? That, that, that was his sarcastic mindset about how he don't give. I don't give to the church. I don't give to nobody because I'm like, if, if the Lord want it, he can have it. I'm throwing it up there, he can get it. We were like, all right, listen, homeboy, let me, let me help you understand a couple things here. All right, since you, you interjected that. He, he, knew I, he knew that I was a believer and even the owner of the barbershop was a believer. We always have these wonderful talks um, at that time uh, back then. I said, li- listen, man, um, I like that you acknowledge that God is higher than you by throwing the money up in the air. You know, that, that's cool that you, that you acknowledge that. I mean, I'm glad that you think that. That's true. He is. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's really good. But I need you to understand something that um, there's a news flash for you. He also owns the ground that you're standing on. He also is letting you breathe air that he breathed into you. And if you don't, and if you don't believe that, why don't you go to, go to the graveyard and breathe into, some, breathe into some people and see if they come back to life. This air that you breathe is something deeper to you than just breathing. God gave that to you as well. Here's the thing, brother. All the earth, even, even the gifts that you have, that you have not had to repent for. The, the, the giftings and, and, and the way you've been wired, all that came from him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So the real question is, what are you doing and how are you stewarding everything that he gave you? How are you using it? What are you doing with all these things that he richly provided? Because guess what, man? I love you, but you're going to have to give an account for that one day. So listen to this account right here in Mark 12. Um, of a woman whose money did not impact her generosity. Look at this, Mark 12, verse 41 through 44. And he, this is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. I actually chuckled when I read this. I was like, wait a minute, Jesus just sat down across from where the offering box was and said, I'm going to watch these people. All right, I, I was like, Jesus, you, yeah, you, 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 you are, you the man. Because I'm like, that, that's pretty bold. You know, he, he sits down and watches people, all right? Many rich people put in large sums. Then it says, a poor widow. 
So if you're a widow in this time, you're already struggling because you, you, you normally don't have any provision. In fact, most of the, this was a group that when the church was tithing and giving 10% of what they had, this was one of the groups that things went to because they didn't, they didn't have things. It went to the Levitical priests, it went to orphans, it went to widows. This is, where, this is what the church gathered things into the storehouse so that these people would have something to eat. This would be this woman. This is a widow, but she's not just a widow. She's a poor widow. All right? A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. So it was less than a she, she had two coins that ended up making a penny. And then Jesus said, oh, 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 this is a great teaching moment right here. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. Here's the thing. It's not about the amount behind your giving. It's the heart and the motive behind your giving. Where is your mind when you give? See, the rich people gave out of their abundance. In other words, they gave out of their leftovers. This, this, it was large amounts, but it was still out of their leftovers. That's why Jesus is pointing this out. See, people that practice generosity, generosity regardless of their financial position, will always give according to how they've been blessed, not according to the amount. See, money should not impact our generosity, but our blessing should. I give according to how I've been blessed. See, see remember this, remember this. Money is a magnifier, y'all. If you are stingy and greedy and wasteful and you get a lot of money, that means your stinginess, your greediness, and your wastefulness is going to be on 2,000. Okay, more money just means more self-centeredness, more greed, not less. That's why a, a woman like this whose mind is even in this, I know the purpose of the kingdom. I know what I'm called to do. If this woman was to receive a lot of money, it would just magnify her giving. It would magnify where she was. She know what it's like to be a poor widow. This would be somebody that would be, be great to bless with amount of money because you see her heart behind it. Now, here's the thing. If I'm honest, I know that money can be a culprit in changing our minds or changing our day, if you will. If, you, if you're having a bad day today and when somebody walk out of here and say, here go, $10,000, you're going to be like, boy, today was a good day. What? <laughs> what the pastor preached good today? Um, yeah, he did that too, but somebody just gave me $10,000. I'm good now. I'm good. All of a sudden, it becomes a good day. Y'all remember that video by Drake, God's Plan? At the beginning of the video, he's walking around just dropping like $10,000, $20,000 on people. I mean, that's great. If I'm sitting out in the park and somebody just randomly gives me 10, I would say it's a good day too, but, but let me say something. Did you know that it's also God's plan for his people to give just as cheerfully as you receive? To give just as cheerfully as you receive. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, we're talking about mindset. Each one must give as he's deciding in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not force. For God loves a cheerful receiver. Does God love a cheerful receiver? I mean, I'm not saying that he hates cheerful receivers. I'm not saying that. But this says that God loves 
a cheerful giver. Now, here's what does that mean? That, 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 this is what this means. Money should not define your joy. Maybe, just maybe, some of us would be more cheerful if we gave more and received less. I know that's a tough word. Christmas time is coming up. Y'all seen the Christmas Carol. The whole deal with Ebenezer Scrooge is that he actually finally realized that. He realized that, man, I'm, it's actually more of a blessing to give than to receive. He had to go through all them ghosts and all them spirits to finally figure that out. But that happened. And here's the thing. I don't want us to be bow humbug saints. Amen. I don't want us to be those kind. I want us to be the kind of people that realize that God is actually doing the work. And we're actually more blessed in our giving than we are in our receiving. That's a mindset. So let's look at our final mindset right here. Money is not my only source. Money is not my only source. Money is a resource. But God is our source. Sometimes we live like that vice versa, right? In our mind, we're tempted to live like money is our main source and God is just a mere resource. See, if I have money, I'm good. If I don't have money, that's when I'll go to God and be like, God, can I, I need to pray. I need to seek people. We need, I need counsel. I need, I need that then. But no, God is your source all the time. Money is what actually is a resource. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. It says this, but godliness, what it means to be godliness, with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing, anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with this, we will be content. We will be content. There's more, more wisdom from, from Proverbs. And I hope you guys looked at the document that we sent out to our church. There's hundreds of scriptures that Proverbs speaks to on money. Here's another really good one out of Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may still and thus insult God's holy name. Again, wisdom here is that this person's desire is not to allow wealth or lack to change their mind about God's character. To change their minds about God's character. See, it, it, the last passage I want to look at today is a very popular passage. It's the secret sauce in knowing who our true source is. A lot of people quote it. You've seen it all the time, but it's actually speaking to our mindset around God as it pertains to when we have and when we don't have. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Listen to this. Now that I am speaking, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content. This is Paul speaking. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Listen to this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this statement that I can do all things who strengthens me is based on me relying on God's character despite the situation. Thank you, Lord, when I have a lot. 
Thank you, Lord, when I don't have that much. But here's the thing that ain't going to change. I'm going to be content because I can do anything through you. I will be okay if I have a lot. I'll be okay if I don't have a lot. It's all based on you. And see, listen, that is a mindset. That is a state of being that we create ourselves based on God's word. So let us be mindful that our resources never, ever make good sources. We should always steward our resources very well, but rely on the source of our strength. And his name is Jesus. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I want to close here. When you think about a good host, what comes to mind? Now, many of you had people over your home Thanksgiving and you were hosting. You know, it's a lot of work, right? You know, when you think about a good host, what comes to mind? When you think about a good host, you think about someone that invites people in. I want to invite you in. They're very invitational. There are people that don't see strangers. They only see opportunities. When I see you, I don't see you as a stranger. I see you as an opportunity when you come up in this place. These are people that want to make sure people are fed well. This is something that, 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 that's a burden for my wife. She, she gets nervous. She thinks people are not going to have enough to eat or not have what they need to have. You want to see people come into your home and enjoy themselves and, and feel at home. You want them to feel respected. And you want them to feel loved. People that are good hosts are people that are generous with their time and talent and they don't mind thinking sacrificially about the things that they treasure. This year, the first time, I got married in 1999 and uh, one of the gifts that people gave me that was suggested, even though I didn't really suggest it, my mom did, was China, okay? We got all this fine China. I'm going to tell y'all, this year was the first year <laughs> since 1999 that we used that fine, fine china this year. But we, we, my wife scrubbed it up and we, and we used it. We used it this year. It's something that's very valuable. It's something that you don't mind. Like, what, you know, I, the, the, you, a good host says, listen, I, I want to give you the best. Listen, in the same way, God's creation God, what, what God made when he created this earth, when he created the resources and everything that we have here, this is his expression of his generous and gracious love to all of us. God is the most generous host that we could ever have and all of his creation are his guests in this world. His intentions for you have always been for you to live life and life abundantly. His intentions for, was for you to always know him. But here's the thing, let's be real. Many of us here in this life have not felt like guests in God's house. Some of us have felt like strangers. Some of us have not, fe- have not dealt with this abundance. We, there's been scarcity in our lives. Whether it was resources or whether it's been something like health that you face. And you're like, what is going on? And you begin to question who God is. But let me ask you something. Is it a scarcity problem? Is it a, is it a lack of resources? Or is it really a mindset that God cannot be trusted? Do you believe that he is still a provider? Do you believe that God is holding out on you? Or do you believe that you can depend on him? Is he still generous? I want to implore you today to trust Jesus. Because Jesus too became one of us. And and Jesus the whole time kept a mindset of abundance and he would trust the Lord because Jesus also faced scarcity. 
He was born in a manger. He should have been born in the Ritz-Carlton. He was the he, he was the savior of the world, but he was born into that. But here's the thing. Not only was Jesus born into a manger and born around animals and all this, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says that even after he became a man, it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. So we heard about a widow that gave out of her poverty. Jesus gave his all to us in the same way. God is the greatest host because God has given us the greatest gift and that is Jesus. So I don't know where you are today, but I want you to know that if you're struggling with God being a provider, if you have it in your mind that God is not a provider, I want you to know right now he's giving you his best. He's giving you his son. And I want you to trust him today. Even if you're a believer here today, you need to be reminded not to let your situation, whether you have a lot or if you have a little, negate who you are in Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Most importantly, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that he modeled to us how to humble himself and how to come and function in a world that is broken, a world that is hurting, a world that might betray, and a world that that we can't put our hope in and you showed us how we can still place all of our hope in you. So God, I pray for that person that's here today on the sound of my voice that has allowed this area of resources and money to keep them from following you. God, I pray, Lord, today that they would trust you. And God, where we have lost faith, where we have not been good stewards of our time, talent, and treasure, God, help us to remember who you are. Help us to remember just like Job, that though he slay me, I may still worship him. God, we want to worship you today. God, we thank you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.